Welcome to Digitally Creative. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and joining me this week is a podcast host in his own right, but he's also a digital content creator. I have my good friend, the one and only, Grant Alexander. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing really good. It's a beautiful day outside, nine degrees Celsius, so I don't know what that is in Freedom Units. I'm sorry. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, it's above freezing, which is really nice, and uh, and I'm getting a chance to chat with you. So yes. Yes. Good day. Uh, by the way, it's about the same. No, it's 63 in New York. So that's what, 13, 14 for you? So it's it's lovely here for some reason. I have no idea why. It was, it's been so cold recently. But look at us, two just old men just chatting about the weather. <laughs> yep. You know, I think there should, you know, like in Star Trek, uh, you know, they have the universal translator. Mm-hmm. I would like that to one day happen that if I say Celsius, you'll just hear the Fahrenheit version. It's it's funny because the more you talk to people, especially if you live in the United States, because you're the odd man out in the United States. But the more I talk to people from Europe and Canada and Australia, you do kind of get a, a you have a rough idea. Like, yeah. I, you know, I know that like 30 degrees, 32 degrees Celsius is about 100 degrees Fahrenheit ish. So it's like if you yeah. guys say it's 32 degrees, I'm like, wow, it's freaking hot. You know, like I don't need to know the exact temperature to know like, oh, I feel bad for you guys, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, I think I think thirty nine is one oh four. Yeah, that's oof. yeah. One oh I I so way back in a prior life, I was in Vegas two thousand three in August. Um and it was one hundred and sixteen degrees. That's a big no for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember we were being shown a time we were being taken to different timeshares and we drove ah. past a bank. We drove past a bank and, you know, the banks always have the time and temperature on the signs outside. And this bank had the time and temperature and it's like one thirty in the afternoon. It's 116 degrees. And I laughed and I pointed at the sign. I went, oh, look, the sign's broken. And the woman who was giving us the tour is like, no, it's probably about right. It's probably a few degrees warmer than that. I'm like, oh, really? Like, it, I know the old joke of it's a dry heat. But it really is true. Like 116 in Vegas does not feel like 116 in New York. 116 in New York, you would just want to die. Like it's yep. the end of it. But yeah, so there's our segment on the weather. That's our thing of the week, weather. <laughs> <laughs> the weather of the week with Grant mm-hmm. and Vincent. Yeah. So Grant and I, Grant and I recently, well, I, I mean, it isn't really a collaboration. I just helped a little bit, but we recently collaborated. Screw it. I am going to call it a collaboration. Yeah. We we recently collaborated on a video. Grant was working on a project and I told him, yeah, give me a chance. Let me, um, I have an idea for how I'm going to bring this in and make it a little more interesting than me just sitting in front of a screen doing it. So I did my first ever acting in a YouTube video. <laughs> Yeah, my wife loved that part of the video, and then you started going on the computer part, and she just eyes glazed over. But it's it's such a oh my god, it's weird that that stuff is so boring because it really is boring. Like as someone who did it for a living, I find the nitty gritty of like, especially Adobe Illustrator, to be so boring. Mm. But what what I find interesting is knowing that information and being able to recall it and kind of throw it out there. Like that's the exciting part to me. Like it's boring to watch it and learn it, 
But once you know it, you get so happy. It's like, oh, I know exactly what this problem is. I know exactly how to solve it. You know, we're making right. problems to solve here. Wink, wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't say I think we're more just putting a clamp on some things. Ooh. No, I don't know. That well, we do really that because we make. Segue. <laughs> we do that because we make. That's why we do uh, it. <laughs> I think we should make shift into something else. Uh, maybe we can uh, talk about some working hands or something. All while we're making say, it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a really fun collaboration. Yeah. I was uh, struggling with getting a, an SVG that, you know, it was like my, a hand-drawn thing that my wife made. I tried to turn it into uh, uh, an SVG using Inkscape. And I had done that no problem in the past with like actual, like, bitmaps but mm -hmm. this time because it was a hand drawing it had a lot of extra well you know hand drawn stuff to it little sure. inconsistencies that yep. the that inkscape said you you i know you want all those inconsistencies let me put a node there for you <laughs> right and uh and it's and it must i don't know thousands upon thousands of nodes and as soon as i put it into fusion it just crashed fusion uh and then i was like oh i must have put the the little like you know thing that there was like a, a the thing to to the refinement uh, slider that they call yeah. I think they call it a refinement slider yeah and I slid I was like oh I must have slid it the wrong way so I went and redid it and put it the other way no no I didn't I, it was <laughs> it was even worse I couldn't even load it into fusion and that's when I texted you yeah so I I've had it's it's the first thing I ever learned it's very interesting because the first thing I ever learned with fusion was how to put SVGs in because that was how I was doing the same thing you were doing. I was using it for 3D printing. So I would bring right. something in as an SVG and tweak it enough and extrude certain parts to create different depths and then mm -hmm. 3D print it. And I bumped into the same thing. It was before I really learned how to use Adobe Illustrator. And I would just, it got to a point where, you know, up until I learned Illustrator, it was just like, can't use it. Like that was it. It was, it was just punch out on the files. Like, I oh, can't do it. Oh, well, it's too complicated. And then you start learning, you know, stuff like the simplify command. And you, what's cool about it is like, I know Inkscape can do it. I know um, Affinity Designer can do it, but I just use Illustrator all day long. So it's like second language for me. And it's funny how much you can pull away and not affect the actual image. It's right. It's crazy. It's like when you're saving, you know, JPEGs and PNGs and you can lower that quality slider to like 60% and not visually be able to perceive a difference at all in the file. It's right. But we well, complicate we complicate stuff. <laughs> and then I had to go in Fusion and then like like make it even simpler. I had to go mm -hmm. through and delete even more stuff so that it just would print nicer. So I just thought I was like I wish I had gone like, you know, even further on the simplification. <laughs> Isn't there, I mean, the one thing I find, the one thing I find, especially dealing with a lot of like 3D printing, digital fab, I'm I find this particularly with the CNC over all the others, because CNC, you're limited by the tool you're doing the cutting with. And I wish there was just a way to just throw a file in and have it come back and say, hey, listen, you want to cut this on your CNC? These are the end mills you're going to need if you make it at this size. You're going to need an end mill that can go down to at least a 32nd of an inch. Instead, what it is, it's like, I, and, and this is the process. I'm actually working on a YouTube video now about this process because it's such a pain where, you know, you start with a quarter and you clear out as much as a quarter inch can clear out. And then it's like, okay, now let's add an eighth and let's clear out as much as an eighth. Now we got to, and at every step you have to look at the simulation and go, 
Is that enough? Did I get? All right, let's add a 16th now. We do a 16th. Okay, is that enough? Did I get everything? Did I get it all? Or do I need to make the graphic bigger? Or do I need to go down to a 32nd now? And it's like, I would love the software to just once be smart enough to go, hey, if you cut with a, with a 1 16th, it's not getting into these areas. Turn those areas red. Give me some indication. Make all this like, artificial intelligence that they've figured out in these applications to do these calculations. That would be such an easy one that I would just love to see, you know? Well, I think it's kind of like when you load a thing up into a 3D printing slicer and mm -hmm. it gives you the red parts are like, this isn't supported. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a pretty simple, like just the opposite of that, like. I'm sure there's something out there. I think it's probably just not hobby grade yet. Well, so I've used I've used VCarve desktop. That's as high as I've gone in CNC, like the most powerful piece of non-hobby software. And it's not in there that I know of unless, hey, and if it is, by the way, if it is, but by all means, put a comment below or send me an email. Let me know because that's a feature. A lot of the stuff I do starts with a graphic design. It's not, I'm not carving shapes to make a bigger piece. It's me translating a design into a piece of wood or acrylic or metal or something. Mm -hmm. And if there's a way to know that up front, you know, without having to go to my shop or without having to look at the simulation and hope I'm seeing everything in the simulation correctly, man, that would be killer. <laughs> that would be absolutely killer. The last yeah. time. The last time you and I talked, you were on when you were on Because We Make last, you mm -hmm. didn't even have a 3D printer. No, and I didn't. Man, have you just like you've embraced it. I love how much you've and you just got a regular old ender. Like you didn't even you didn't go crazy. You didn't get anything bonkers. And you're just you have really full on embraced 3D printing. It's amazing to see. Yeah, so I basically, I was trying to wood carve something to make a leather stamp. Uh, and I, that was like, I was going to wood carve it instead of 3D printing it, wood carve out some wood. And I got to the end and I nicked the piece and it popped the piece off. So basically the tip of something was gone. And I went, well, that's frustrating. And I just went and bought a 3D printer. Because <laughs> I went like, this is, it, it, I, like the amount of time I spent here, I could have spent it. And made is you know a hundred of them, sure. uh, yeah. I don't. You don't make a hundred of us the same. Like this is the thing. I think like three D printing and all these digital things are great if you want to do a business or if you want to do something that you can't physically do. Mm -hmm. And I can't. I can cut anything in any shape I want to. A CNC might do it better. It might do it faster. But if I want to go out in the workshop and have fun, that's why I go go out there and do. But uh, I can't like do the plastic. Like I can't make something out of plastic the way the 3D printer can. Right. Like I think there's like those 3D printer pens, but it's not the same thing, right? Definitely not the same thing. <laughs> so that's why I embraced the 3D printer. It's because I can't, I can't do that. And I think that's where digital creation is is the best. Uh, is when it's something you can't do, or if you want to produce a whole bunch of them. Right. It's very interesting you say that because that's something that Al said when he was on the show. You know, he said the reason he got the CNC was because he isn't a great woodworker. And it's like, wow, like I've never I've never thought of it. I've never thought of these tools as a way to fill like a skill gap, but it seems to be there is a definite segment of the people using them that that looks at them that way. And that's really interesting that you said the same thing. I'm like, wow, apparently this is way more widespread than I thought, but it's an interesting way to look at it that it kind of fills a skill gap. Right. 
because everything that a CNC can do, people have been doing just about sure. everything. They have yeah. been doing. It just took way more time, or it was it took a lot more skill. Like you, if you look at some of the intricate carvings from a hundred years ago, yeah, a CNC could do it today, but it just they do it. You know, the CNC does it uh, repeatedly over and over and over. Right. Whereas you know, you can pro- spend the time programming it, set up all the bits and everything that you need, and then let it do it and let it do it five times on the same piece. And, you know, you're good to go. Whereas if you spent your entire career making these intricate, uh, you know, church thing, you know, carvings or whatever, mm-hmm. and then at the end of it, you go, well, now I have to do it again. Well, it just, <laughs> I don't know. That's it just seems feeling. like a CNC is better that way. Even Even when I'm making something as like, you know, uncomplex as a cutting board like i can make an order for a customer like i recently over the christmas holidays i made a lot of cutting boards this holiday season i didn't even post all of them on instagram i was making so many of them it was just it's like i don't have time to post these i just got to finish them and get them the hell out of my shop but even when i was making a lot of cutting boards i mean they're cutting boards they're essentially a rectangle Right. They're not all the same. Like they're not all the exact same size. They're not all the exact same thickness. The juice groove isn't a thousand percent precise on all of them. They right. all look great. They all look great. And I've not gotten one piece of negative feedback from anything I sent out. But if I sent the same board, if I if someone said, Can you make the same board four times? I'd be like, I can get pretty damn close four times. Like they're gonna right. be you can tell they were made by the same person at the same time. They are not gonna be identical. No matter what I do, I'm not capable of that. It's just right. It's and that even, repeat that repeatability is the CNC. That's that's the best part of it. But other than that, yeah, you're right. You're hundred percent right. even if you're doing CNC, because you're dealing with wood, they're never gonna mm. look exactly the same. That's like, true too. At, at best, you could do like Baltic birch plywood is one of the most consistent grains, right? But then even then, they've got little knots in them and you can tell it's wood. You know, <laughs> if you if you wanted it to be the exact same, you'd make it out of plastic. It's That is true. That is true. Wood is not, wood is not a replicatable material. Even people that make furniture, like they make furniture and you can look and you can see the joints aren't all the same. You know, it's just, it, it's not, it's not possible, especially if the more... The more manual you add into the process, like people think a CNC, you know, it comes off the machine and you have the thing. And it's like, no, you still have to sand it, route it, finish it, all that stuff. And once you start sanding, well, guess what? You know, I was watching a video. I was watching a video. I think it was um, 731 Woodworks. He was doing, he did um, a barometer, like one of those three piece, like things that you have on the wall. It's like a barometer, a hygrometer and a a temperature gauge, thermometer. Yeah, that's a temperature temperature gauge. gauge. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's like no it's a car okay um but he had one of those and he did it three different ways and he you know one of them he was gonna do with the cnc and he's like yeah just be careful you don't knock off the edges here and i'm like yeah wow you know like you don't even think about that but yeah you could you know you make these beautiful square crisp edges and you take your sandpaper and you go and it's like oh damn <laughs> like there right. it goes it's gone <laughs> definitely and well in this i don't know if you know uh, birch told designs yeah, was that, that those <laughs> the, crazy the <booby> guy? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a lot. What he he does some really cool stuff too, besides boobs. But yeah, the boobs are what get get a lot of attention these days. And understand he's known for the boobs, <laughs> right? But like, I don't know how you sand that. So you must you have to. You, <laughs> like, I guess carefully. you. Well, you I guess you would enjoy it while you're doing it. But 
uh, <laughs> you, when you, I look at stuff like that, I go, you have to be really good at CNC work to get it yeah. so that you don't have to sand it at the end. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. That was right. something that um, I think it was Corey was talking about it when he was talking about, you know, making the cyclone. He was talking about, you know, just like, it's real easy to make the shape. It's not easy to make it without tool marks. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Those finish, yeah. all that finishing stuff. That's, that's the, that's what's interesting. Cause like the people that have CNCs, you know, anyone can cut a shape on a CNC. I mean, you literally, one of your, you know, carbide, cre- carbide 3D takes you through five projects or so. Your initial five cuts, the first five things that you have to do with the CNC to learn the process. And, Right. If you get through those, you can pretty much use a CNC effectively for the, the very basic level of things. But what they don't teach you <laughs> is that there is still a lot of like nuance to all those things. It's like, you know, when you start watching the people that are really good with 3D carving, like him, like Dennis Van Hoff, those guys, like mm-hmm. Jeff, even when he was yeah. doing his, um, like he did the Groot bust and he did the Einstein bust, you know, to not have tool marks that you have to meticulously sand afterwards. That's where the level of skill comes in knowing just how much to kiss the piece with another end mill, just to kind of get that little bit of fine finish on it. Like that's the skill move there. And right. it's, I can't, when even you do see that. someone that's really good at it, it's obvious that they're really good at it. Yeah. I sometimes have problems doing that with like using a straight saw and getting it going through there without getting a, you know, a tool mark here or there. Yeah, and it's like I've got a fence set up and a blade, and I still somehow screw it up, and you can see it, right? Like I can't imagine, you know. I, uh, one how, of my favorite tests. One of my favorite tests to know if you're actually good at woodworking: put a piece of cherry through your table saw, and if there's no burns on it, then you're good. <laughs> well, I guess <laughs> I'm can, not very good at woodworking. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. Like I watched a Steve Ramsey video once, and he's like, "Well, cherry tends to burn easily," and I'm like. Yeah. How easily could cherry really burn? Like, really easily. That's the answer. <laughs> really, really easily. So anytime I'm working with cherry, ma- maple, uh, walnut seems to be okay. But cherry or maple, I find the worst. Maple's because it really stands out because it's such a light wood. Right, So right. any little bit of burn, I just cut. I make them a 16th higher than I need and throw them through my planer. Yeah, yeah. That that's the, it's and those are the compensation strategies that you learn. Like I I just started, who I don't know who who I was listening to, but they was like, yeah, a lot of woodworkers I know only started like a few years ago. I only started in 2017. Like that's when I started woodworking, October of 2017. Yeah. And there's so many things that I've learned, like just stuff that's like, yeah, oh, you get those burn marks. Yeah, you're getting those burn marks because you're being inconsistent, dumbass. Like be more careful when you're pushing it through, and then you. Right go through everything and you're on your last piece i'll tell you something i'll tell you something i've actually gotten used to and you're you're a woodworker so you'll appreciate this i almost never use my miter saw anymore which it took me a really long time to get to this point but i haven't used it in like two months now which is weird. i use it for rough cutting it's a it's a rough that's so I have it. It's set up. So if I need to roughly cut something, or if mm-hmm. like I, I'm dealing with some really long piece that I'm going to throw through the table saw, yeah. and I know I only need a 20 inch piece, I'll cut it to 21, and then I'll put it on the table saw and make it exact. Mm-hmm. I I was my miter saw was a crutch, oh, and yeah? my shop doesn't really fit it. It it's actually not even in my shop. It's on a table just outside my shop because my shop doesn't have enough room 
for the miter saw and the other mm-hmm. stuff I have. So it's like, do I have to drag this in every time I need to use it? Or can I just say, you know what? Screw it. Get used to doing this stuff on the table saw. And I have gotten used to using the table saw. I'm going to tell you something. I'm enjoying woodworking a lot more since I stopped using the miter saw. I realized how much I hated it when I started really getting comfortable using the table saw for everything. And I think part of it is I bought a really good miter gauge and that helps a lot. You know, I don't have a sled because I have a contractor grade saw. So if you have a contractor grade saw, having a sled is just, where are you going to put it? It's going to hang off the end. It's going to fall over. But man, I don't know what possessed me. It's like, I just, maybe it was just me being lazy. Like I didn't feel like dragging the miter saw into the shop. But man, table saw, much better. Much, yeah. much better. If you better. have a good fence. Yes. A good and fence or, or miter gauge or, or slide. Yes. Yeah. All those things. If, if you have it set up properly, it's just nicer. But there, it's just the thing. Like, if I were you, I would sell the miter saw and get a circular saw. And I have a circular cutting, saw. Yeah. That's... Then you have a rough cutting circular saw when it's too big to go on the table saw for whatever reason or you want to cut it down. Get mm-hmm. rid of the miter saw. I don't know. That's, I, that's no that that is the plan. I've I've decided yeah. finally after all these years that it's like okay, you used it well when you had a when I had a dedicated space for it and it was always set up, it right. was easy, right? I could just put a stop block on it. I could leave the stop block there because I was always cutting the same lengths. I could, yeah. I have all the stops that I use marked. I would just put the stop block on it, cut, 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 cut. But I've gotten so fast at doing that now with the table saw. Even in my my most recent the shop log video. I, you can see I don't use I, I just got really used to using the table saw for all that stuff. And right. it's like, wow, now I understand why people don't have miter saws anymore. Like you just <laughs> you don't need it as much. Maybe I don't know. It's it's a it's like a lot of tools. It depends on what you're doing, whether or not mm-hmm. it's the appropriate tool for you. And this is where we'll get back into the digital bit. Um I think CNCs are amazing. I, I mm-hmm. think they're awesome. I don't think I ever want one in my shop unless I have a twice the size shop I have and I already have a two-car garage. Right. Right. So I already have not enough space for all my tools. So I couldn't see putting a CNC on top of that. But I could sure. see having access to a CNC. Like I think, I think owning a boat and owning a CNC are the same thing. It's like I'd rather be friends with the person who owns a boat or friends <laughs> with the person who owns a CNC. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, it's, you know, and I'm, you know, Al will appreciate this because I know he's going to listen to this. You know, there are times where it's like, you know, I want a bigger CNC or I want a bigger laser. But what I've come to learn over the last three-ish years is that I don't really need bigger than what I have. There are occasions, there are occasions where those bigger things would be nice to have. But... As Al always said, says, when those occasions arrive, you know where I live, just come up. <laughs> right. Like, well, he goes, yeah, if you start coming up every day of the week, then maybe it's time to get your own. But <laughs> So apparently the, the library near my house has a laser, mm-hmm. apparently a very expensive, good one. Nice. Um, because they okay. have like, a, I've never, I didn't know about it until like 2020 when I started Googling things to do, but then of course it's been closed down since then um, because you have to take a safety class in order to take it or use it. So I'm going to be going to that and it's free. So I'll Perfect. probably be using that laser. They also have Perfect. 3d printers, but I have 
they don't. Take yeah, you're good. Room. You're good on 3D <laughs> printers. <laughs> have you so since you started since you've gotten into 3D printing, have you considered like is is your is your ender like what you need, or have you gone? You know, if the ender is this good, you know, do I maybe look at a higher end model that can print a little faster, a little more consistently with a little less, a little less fiddling, maybe some auto bed leveling, like that kind of stuff. Like, have you, have you started to think about that kind of stuff or are you so just going to ride this one till the wheels fall off? <laughs> I'm definitely going to do that. Uh, I have the <laughs> BL touch. So I, the, the leveling, okay, okay. I don't, I just press the button. I, cause I tried it. Like I, I did the leveling by myself and it was fine, but I just found it was like, I didn't like using a piece of paper. I didn't, I was like, I would, even if you just had like a thing that just told me a number and said, mm-hmm. adjust it and, and then try again. Like I would rather that this like so dragging right. around a piece of paper. I'm like, how do you know my piece of paper is the same as your piece of paper? Cause there's a right. lot of different pieces of paper. How um, long is a piece of string, right? Like it, right. that's how that always wants to be like, put a piece of paper. Okay. Well, I use really thick paper in my printer. Right. So, like, what do I do? <laughs> it's like, oh, no, a piece of standard copy. Well, okay, do you know how many different thicknesses there are for right. standard, like, copy paper? So Right. So, that's where, so I, I it was one of the, I got it when I bought the thing, because I, I knew I wasn't going to like it, but I wanted to try the leveling before that, and I leveled it, and it was perfectly level, and it, I, I've, I'm sure you've seen a lot of people with, like, the 3D printed, like, it just looks like they left a print on there, because it was just too close. Yeah, that was my first first like test print. Sure. It was just way too close, and now that bed, that magnetic piece is, I still have it because it's still useful. But I didn't like the way it looks, so I bought another one. Um, and then I installed the thing, and it's never happened again. I've never had them like embed into the 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 print bed. I I always get annoyed. I always get annoyed when people talk about anything, especially in digital fab, and they'll say something to the something to the effect of, "Oh, you got to get these harder to use machines or these whatever, so that you learn how the machine works and you get more comfortable with it." Like if you're going to get a CNC, you should get an X carve because you have to put that together from scratch. Or if you're going to get a laser, you should get a, a K40. So that you can, you know, learn how the cooling system works and how to install everything and how to keep it all running. And I think there's something to that. But I got to be honest with you, as somebody who's had both ends of the spectrum in every class of machine, there's something to be said for the higher end stuff. There really is. Like I understand, like for me, right, an ender would never work. Um, when I 3D print stuff, I'm printing a lot of them at once. Right. Over I the never- course of days. Right. But, I don't have a problem with mine, though. Well, that's this is the thing, right? So I've had I've had printers on the level of the Ender, right. where yeah, I'll get maybe one batch of something, and then the second batch fails, and then it's like, okay, maybe it's not level. Okay, it's not working. Okay, maybe it's not. Maybe I didn't attach this right. Okay, okay, maybe I didn't set the temperatures right. Okay, that nothing works, and then I've gotten one batch right. The one thing, the one thing about the Prusa printers that I love. The one thing I love above everything else is that this printer is as close to an appliance as it can ever be. I could go into that printer at any point, turn it on with the memory card in it and just hit print and it'll print every single time. It has never, I've lost one print and that was because I was making pipes and they were a quarter inch, a quarter inch round and I was making them six inches long and I was standing them on their end and Two of them fell over. I only needed six. I only needed four, rather. Two of them fell over. I printed six of them. So it's like, 
I, I didn't even lose the whole print. I only lost a few of them. That's the only time it's ever failed. However, if I was doing one-offs, then something like the Ender would be perfect. There's a lot of printers in that class. Like the Elegoo, was it the Neptune is in that class? The Artillery Sidewinder is in that class. Like all these printers that are in that class of printer now. And it's great. It's great if you're doing one-offs. Like if you're making a stamp, like the stuff you do, you're not making... Right. Like I sometimes I'll make the corner jigs. I'll be printing thirty six of them in a in a run. I'll do thirty six of them because it's six and it's six runs. It takes two days to print them. I just let it right. go. So I, right I, before I, uh, Maker Camp, I made batches of the little stamps that had the Maker Camp logo and said twenty twenty two, and they print all printed perfectly. The only thing that sucks is the the things that that are like upgrades are like the things like on a car. It's really nice to have adaptive cruise control. Right. Or sure is. wipers that are, are like automatic with the rain yes. when it works, obviously, because they I found they don't work that great. But whatever. That doesn't work that well. Yes. But yes. Point yeah, taken. If, it, if it works really good. But it's just, so what happened with the thing is I ran out of a filament on mm-hmm. one of the prints halfway through. So I had like, I don't know, I think it was 16 of them mm-hmm. that printed 90 percent of the way. And I uh, ran out of filament, and the ender just keeps going. It just says, like, I'm, I'm going to keep printing. I'm, I don't know. I don't have any <laughs> filament, right? But I know the Prusa has a – you've run out of filament uh, oh, option yeah. to it. Yep. And the, the, so the big things I would like about the Prusa, if, if I would ever upgrade, is multiple colors. Um, that is a big thing that – I know you can do it with an ender, but then you got to sit there and babysit a print, and I know I'm not going to do it. Right. Right. I just know I'm not. I know it's just going to sit there and it's going to run out and it's going to do the little pause. And then two days later when I go back in, I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, oops. And maybe it'll stick and it probably won't. But, you know, that that would be the big thing. It's, it's changing colors because there's a lot of things that, like, I know you can paint PLA afterwards, but it's just nice to, to be the able to do. The plastic being the actual color is, it's really hard to beat. I did a, um, I wanted to do that. So the first print I ever did that was that was an experiment in that. I did. I wanted to try to model. It was the first time I'd ever tried to model something I saw on a TV show. So from the show Daredevil, I made the plaque that said Nelson and Murdoch from okay. a, p- a picture from their office. And yeah. I brought it into Fusion 360 and I designed the whole thing. I traced the whole image and I extruded whatever. And I did it and I did it with black and gold PLA. And the first time that came out, I was just like, this is magic. Like, it just feels like that and what was cool was like that was a process because i've had 3d printers since 2016 ish 2015 Mm -hmm. like i've had them a long time but that was always a process it was just kind of a pain in the ass usually have to do two sets of g code and then stop when one's done you start the second and it just continues now with the with prusa slicer you just go to this level like right here i want it to just put a color change right here and it'll pause and it'll say okay change your filament like right yeah that's that's exactly, but you, you hit it right on the head. There was a lot of, and I readily admit that I am a creature of convenience. It's the same thing with my car, right? I have a lot of stuff in my car that I will never not have a car with without again. But is it critical stuff? No, I was just rear-ended really bad at the beginning of December. Like, the guy probably did, you know, I'm waiting for the body shop to give me the estimate. They should be calling any minute. Um, he probably did about $7,000 worth of damage, right? The right. physical damage to the car, it's okay. Like, it's not the end of the world. But you know what he did the most damage to? The lane departure sensor, right. the backup sensor, 
the front collision detection, the adaptive cruise control, every sensor in my terrain is just non-functional at this point. Like, so they're this all is out of whack. Only if, as soon as you have one out, the whole system doesn't work. And this is yeah. where I don't like these like convenience things because I don't buy new cars. So mm-hmm. when I get a car, I get a car and, and one of these sensors doesn't work. And now my park distance control doesn't work or whatever. It doesn't <laughs> right. beep at me or it just constantly beeps at me. It right? constantly beeps. That's the problem I'm having now. It, that's exactly what it is. It just constantly beeps. Right. And, and it'll like, get I fixed. I don't think I'm that close. <laughs> yeah. So I was, so I got hit. I got hit. I got hit hard. I got hit by a van. So if you, a GMC terrain is not terribly big. Um, mm-hmm. And I got hit by a, a sprinter at highway oh, yeah. speed on the rear end of, of I, I, I'm surprised he didn't do more damage, but I'm not, you know, I'm not asking to go do that again and hit me harder. Believe me. But what I do, what I did notice, what I did notice is that is I went to Home Depot afterwards and I'm like, okay, everything's fine. Like, it's not that bad. As I'm leaving Home Depot, I go to back out and my pedestrian crossing sensor, because I have one on the, I'm in the front and in the back. If somebody's walking past, it'll flash a little person on the screen. And I'm like, oh, and I look and there's nobody. Like there's nobody. It's seeing something that isn't there. And I'm like, oh no, how bad, how much damage did this guy do? So I'm driving home and my, it also has the the lane departure also has correction built in so it'll steer you back gently it doesn't Uh-oh. just jar you back onto the lane but it, you know if you start drifting it's going to gently guide you and start beeping at you like hey dumbass pay attention to the road right well i was in the middle of the lane and it's starting to move me out of the lane because it can't see where the lane lines are anymore oh no so I had to turn that off. So when I went to the body shop last week, I was like, hey, I just want, he goes, he looked at the damage. Ooh, he hit you pretty bad. I'm like, yeah. I said, but that isn't even the worst of the damage. I said, none of the safety systems are working right now. And he went, oh no. Like you can almost hear him go, oh great. Now I got to deal with the dealer. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, he's a body shop. He's like, I know how to fix these, you know. I don't want to deal with that because it's just going to be a pain in the butt. And no matter what I do, no matter what I replace, yep. somehow it's not going to work. Your your yeah. qu- your quarter panel is going to be fine. Like everything's so going to be fine with that. But oof. Right. So he's the guy who bought the Ender, put it all together, and it was screwed. <laughs> but the first time it stopped working, he didn't know what to do. <laughs> no. So uh, to go back to the, the 3D printer and your question about, you know, what would I, I – everyone I talk to, I say – if you can afford it, buy a Prusa. Mm-hmm. So I say that. I think it's a better printer in every single way. I, but I also go, and if you can't afford it, I'm doing fine with mine. But I do right. know a lot of people who have had issues with theirs. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm just like lucky, which is probably the case, or if I uh, fiddle better than other people and got it Possibly. working. Right? Like, I don't know if I'm, you know, I don't know what the, the skill is, but I've seen a lot of people have problems that are not consistent with my, like a lot yeah. of people message me and say, I can't get the bed to stick at all to anything. And I'm like, I've never had a problem with sticking other than if I leave the, if I don't cover it up in the winter and there's a draft going through from my furnace. <laughs> but other than that, everything has been great. Not that you're speaking from experience or anything. <laughs> right. Well, look, I made the, the clamp trophy 
mm-hmm. which was supposed to be just a clamp, but turns out that my model of my clamp was not good enough to actually clamp anything. So it turned into a trophy, but that thing was, I think 12 inches tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a screw. So it was, you know, winding around and it did it. No problem. 12 inches. Which you would think if something doesn't stick to a bed, that would be a perfect example of something that would just literally fall right over. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's what it, you know, I did put a skirt on it because I knew it's going to be tall and I didn't want it to fall over. I don't know. If As it you should. It. I, I just went there. It doesn't take very much to add this little feature. I press a check mark like. Right. I don't know. No, I think I think I think a lot of people. I'm not one of these people. I, I, I I'm more of see you and you and I are also in a different place with our making. Right. Of Your course. making is for you for content creation and for you in general. Mine is yeah. more, I'm more of a production mindset. So I can't have tools that I can't just rely on to just turn something on and go. I yeah. think a lot of people don't understand their place in the world. And that's not me saying like, you know, like there are people who go, I need a Prusa. Well, okay, cool. And I don't disagree with you, right? Why do you need a Prusa? Oh, I need that reliability. Okay. How much are you planning on printing? Oh, uh, you know, once in a while I'll get something from Thingiverse. I'm like, dude, you don't need a Prusa. Like for stuff like that. You don't like if you're if you're building a print farm and ah. you're going to have stuff rolling or if you have a product that you're going to be 3D printing and you need it to just go, go, go. And the most you do is take the bed, crack it, drop everything off, put the bed back on, hit go again. Yeah. Then you need a if Prusa. you can afford it, you could get you should get a Prusa. That's what yeah. I'll say. If you can afford it. Now, if you're going like, I don't have any money and I really want a printer. Well, then you know what? Maybe then- this hobby isn't for you. And that's, you know, I hate, and you're right. That's, that's what some, you know, damn dude, you just said something that I've always, you know, there's no easy way to say that. Right. But that's the truth. There are some hobbies that are just too expensive for the average person. I've always wanted to rebuild a 1983 Trans Am. Okay. I also know that if I had the space for it and I had the garage for it, I probably wouldn't even have the money to buy the parts but I can live with it because I would right. be doing most of the work myself and I would learn how to do it. And it would be a great learning experience and I would love every minute of it. Right. But I wouldn't get into that hobby and go, man, parts for an 83 Trans Am are really expensive. I don't know. Yeah. Then this yeah. is not the hobby you need to be in, bro. <laughs> right. And a lot of people get, the problem is people get into stuff, not realizing how much it is. And I can understand that. Cause like, when I was rebuilding cars for fun, uh, that you, you get to realize how much, you know, specialty tools you need or yeah, like, like stuff that you just don't even realize that a garage is going to have because they, they need it all the time. Sure. Right. And if I look at stuff like, uh, I have software for reading the codes on my cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a special BMW. I don't know how I got it, but if you, Say R real loud, you might understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you have a wooden peg leg, and anyways, <laughs> uh, so I have that software, and I can do all the stuff the dealership can do. But mm-hmm. if you were to buy that, I think it's like fifty thousand dollars. It's not a. Sure. Uh, there's yeah. no reason for you to do that. But if you, there are certain things that if you want to do yourself, you need this software, and right, like. That's the barrier to entry, right? That's the barrier to entry right. for the hobby. Right. It's the same. That, yeah. It's ahead. the same with everything, right? It's the same with it's the same with um like jewelry making, right? Jewelry making is a very good example, right? Because jewelry making 
over the years, you know, you acquire your tools. Nobody starts jewelry making with every tool that they need. It's not possible. And what you learn as you start making stuff is like, oh, I really could use a nice set of jewelers pliers. Like, you know, it's not just a matter of having a set of pliers, right? They're not regular pliers. Jewelers pliers are a very different ball game. Mm -hmm. And you go and in your mind, you're like, okay, I need these. Well, then you go and look at what they cost. And like my first good, and I my, I don't even have a particularly good set, but it was like $70 for five pliers. You know, we're talking, right. we're talking like those, that's expensive, you know? But if I looked at jewelry making and I go, well, I don't want to spend $70 on pliers. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, bro. Then, you know, yeah, you can get by without them, but. There's a certain so, reason that people are buying jewelry pliers. <laughs> you can get by without a lot of things and get around a lot of things. There's obviously times where the convenience, the, sure. the, the how much better they are. Like I, if you see some of the woodworking and stuff coming out of third world countries where you it's see mo- them, like amazing, right? <laughs> right. Where they have like a knife and that's it. And they create <laughs> like a, a, a whole house and you just go like, how did you do this? You yes. see them doing it. And you're just like, and you did that with your like Bowie knife somehow. Right. And it's like, just wow, a how did you do it? in a dream? <laughs> right. And so you go like, it is possible. It's not the most efficient. It's not right. the best. It's not the most effective, but you, I, the, some of the stuff these people can do with primitive tools, put sure. CNC's to shame. Right. Yeah. But we'll go back to, is it replicatable? No. No, it's not. Right. It's it's. I, I do find I do find that that's because as someone, I own a lot of Ryobi tools. I own a couple of Harbor Freight tools, right? I mean, right. I'm sure you, you probably have a couple of things in your collection from Princess. I'm sure you do, you know, or Canadian uh, Tire. So Princess Auto is a lot better than Harbor Freight. I will say this because I've gone mm-hmm. to Harbor Freight once. And I looked through their stuff and I just went, this is all garbage. It's like Princess Auto, but worse. I bought some <laughs> clamps. And I was like, oh, these clamps are really cheap. I got home and all the handles are crooked on them. So when you're hold, like when you're screwing them, they're like, you know, going oblong on you. And you're like, I, do I just throw these in the garbage? Do I just take the $3 I paid for them and flush it down the toilet? And I think mm. the answer is going to be yes. I haven't made that decision yet. But anyways, I, yes, I, I, I do. I find... I find that the higher end tools for me anyway are more about efficiency than they are about the quality of the tool. I do find that like, like my drill, I have a Ryobi drill. I think it's the worst drill I've ever used in my life. I really do. And I have a DeWalt brushless drill and I think it's the best drill I've ever used in my life. And then I got a Milwaukee M12 fuel for my, for my apartment because my shop is a half hour away. If I need to use a drill in my apartment, I'm not going to go up to my shop, get the drill, Mm -hmm. come back and use it. I want to have some basic tools here. So I've had to double buy tools now, which sucks. But I bought an M12 fuel. I think that's awesome. (laughs) Not when you're single, bro. (laughs) But man, I got to tell you, (laughs) I always thought, I always thought like, oh, this DeWalt drill is the best drill. Like, I love this drill. And now I got the Milwaukee. It's an M12. It's a. I, there's no reason this drill should make me as happy as it does. That drill's a monster. I love it. And I'm like, yeah. damn, now I'm now it's got me thinking like, uh, do I need to just get rid of all my tools <laughs> just one by one? It's like, no, don't get rid of all your tools. But now you know there's another option. <laughs> right. So when I moved out of my house and I was like 
like in my own place for the first time and didn't have access mm-hmm. to my dad's garage. I yeah. was at Canadian Tire and there was this Black & Decker, like 300 tools in one drill set. And there's cordless <laughs> drill. And I was like, how bad can it be? Because my dad had like one of the first cordless drills. Uh-huh. And it was a Makita and it was like the batteries didn't last. Like obviously it had been like 20 years later, the batteries were like not very good, but those drills still drilled. Right. So I got this black and decker and I said, what's well, like brand new. How bad can it be? You literally could drill two holes and the battery would be dead. Yeah. That sounds about right. Two. Like, how do they sell this as anything? I just went like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. I was like, am I doing something wrong? And I, can't, I worked in a, <laughs> I worked in a hobby shop for all of high school and I sold lithium batteries. Like when they, when they hit the hobby market before they hit the consumer or market, uh, you know, it was a big deal because they, they basically took, the the size of the pack went from seventeen hundred was in twenty four hundred for a nickel metal hydrate, and then you would get into lithium and you were like three thousand yeah for for and it was way lighter, right? And then you were getting like six thousand milliamp hours, so you're getting like two and three times as much, uh, you know, capacity and lighter weight and so you know right. lighter weight on racing that's something you want or airplanes obviously. The less you can put up, the less payload, the longer your battery is going to last. So you were getting, sure. everything was amazing about them. And I just went like, how am I getting, what what year is this? Why is this so bad? Anyways, I don't know where I'm going with that. I, I had my, my first, my first cordless drill was, um, was a craftsman. It was 16, it was a 16 volt cordless drill. And I'm not going to lie. I got a lot of use out of it, but it was the same situation. It had a NICAD battery right. and you know, NICAD battery. Not exactly a fun situation. First of all, they take forever to charge. Second yeah. of all, they t- don't take forever to discharge. <laughs> so it's like I could be drilling anything. I would. N- I could never finish anything with that drill. And the next drill I got was the Dewalt, and it was right. a twenty. It was twenty volt. It was twenty. Is it a twenty? Yeah, it's twenty volt cordless brushless. The thing. It's just like it's just a, a whole other planet of drill. You know, and I'm I'm using it, and I'm like, oh my god! So this is this was the dream when they made the one that I had. Like, this is what they <laughs> expected people to be doing with these. But you know, it's funny you say like, how bad could it be? And I've asked that question on numerous occasions. And man, don't ever ask that question because as bad as you think it could be, I promise, whatever it is, it's a hundred times worse. Okay, so then thinking about that and thinking about the different digitally available tools, I think the Ender isn't the lowest end. There's it's definitely end. not. It's hundred so percent not. Never buy the lowest end of something. That's True. what I'll say. Buy That's... the medium or higher. Don't do it. The lowest end is the lowest end for a reason. If you want to have headaches, if you want something that doesn't work, go there. You want something medium, you might have some headaches, but it might work. Go there. You want something that works every time, you buy the Milwaukee, you buy the the Festool, you buy the yeah. Prusa. Yeah. I think I think people have to give themselves permission to do those things. That's one thing. And I think the other thing is you have to understand that, okay, so in my shop, my shop is a really good example, right? I have DeWalt tools, but I have a lot of Ryobi tools. And I have a I have a $5,000 laser and a $3,000 CNC. Right. But then I also have, you know, a $200 Cricut. You know, like I, I don't need to, I don't need a $500 vinyl cutter. The two hundred dollar right. cricket's good enough for me. Like I don't need. The only reason I got the Glowforge at that price 
is because that's what the price was when I bought it. Otherwise, right. I probably like I would buy an Ohm Tech now for three thousand dollars and probably get more out of it than I can get out of the Glowforge, right? But the point being, you don't have to have every the high end of every tool that you own either. Very Your true. tools that you use the most are probably the ones that you need to upgrade the most, like contractor saws. Like a lot of people rip on contractor saws, rightly so. Most of them are trash. The one nice thing about DeWalt contractor saws, and at least with mine, mine has been proof of this since I got it in 2017. The fence on this thing is dead on accurate. I never need to think about it. And the rack and pinion system of it moving back and forth means that it stays square all the time. I'm not cutting trapezoids when I cut with it, right? But that saw, when I bought it, was way out of my price range. It was $650. I was I wanted a table saw so bad that I was going to go buy the Ryobi one that they sell at Home Depot, which is basically there's no metal on the whole thing. It's like an aluminum top and a I don't even it feels like the material they used to make masks for Halloween costumes out of as the base. <laughs> like it just wobbled and everything and Beth looked at it and she goes, "You're not allowed to buy this." Right. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, I, you're not putting this in our basement. She goes, this thing looks like a death trap. She goes, I, I'm telling you, spend the money, get a better saw. I right. was like, okay. And I did, it, did I buy the best contractor saw I could buy? Probably. It probably at the time was the best contractor saw I could buy that could take a dado stack. So I spent $650 on a table saw. But you know what? I'm still using the same table saw to right. this day. I'll probably keep using it until it drops dead and then I'll figure out what I'm doing with my life. But so I've used three of them and two of the times I used them, the two, three different brands, one Mm -hmm. was Mastercraft, which is the Canadian tire brand. Mm -hmm. um, And the people who assembled it, assembled it wrong. Um, (laughs) Like it was just left. So my buddy was, was like uh, getting his house renovated and they had it set up in his basement and they were using it and they had assembled it and put the, 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 like this, the, uh, what do you call the thing? It's the stand mm-hmm. backwards. So we actually ended up fixing it for them. They said it sucked. And I was like, yeah, it sucked. That every time you touched it, it wanted to fall over. Well, because <laughs> it had like a stand that was designed so that it would, if it you looks, pushed on it, it. With the center of gravity of the saw, it's going to stay level. But if you put it backwards, it's now always wanting to tip. Okay, that makes right. perfect sense. So they thought it was shitty. It was still shitty, even with it turned <laughs> around. It still felt like, it just didn't right. have the weight to it. Uh, and then I used... Uh, another one, and it was the, the scariest time I've ever used a table saw. And then I used my buddy, went out and bought the, the rigid one, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's loud, though. That's the yes. biggest thing I found. They're so much louder than the other saws. I don't sure. know why. Because they're not really contained. They're not really enclosed the way like a hybrid saw or a cabinet saw is. Like There's nothing. The motor is usually out in the open. and then My the motor's thing... hanging out the back. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, right. I think it's just I think the difference is the type of motor. Um because That's there's the too. they they use brushed or brushless depending on the saw, saw motors whereas the the old ones use the the they're like the 1750 or 3450 RPM motors which mm-hmm. they're inductive. Yep. Um I don't know exactly how they work. All I know is that they work slightly differently than a brushed motor. And brushed motors are louder. I don't know. All good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that. Again, 
tangent onto nothing. <laughs> tangents, listen, tangents are tangents are why friends do podcasts together. They're just right. one long string of tangents strung together to call it an episode. So I'm Definitely. I'm always interested. I'm always interested in like so now that you've now that you've dipped your toe into digital fab with a 3D printer and you mm-hmm. seem to be really enjoying it. Are there other 3D are there other digital fab things where you're go I know you I know you have you'll either have access to through various other ways or whatever but are there any other things where it's like given space assuming all conditions are optimal would a laser or a small CNC like do I, does any of that stuff does has this increased your interest in the other stuff a little more or no so I was recently given a metal uh mill that's Ooh. CNC so I, it can be obviously operated manually, but uh, it has been converted mm-hmm. to CNC. So now I have a mill that I could do. Basically, you know, I could put wood on it. There's not really a sure. difference between it and a thing other than the way that it, it doesn't move the gantry around. Instead, the, the, the plate moves around. Um, right. You just secure the work down there. So I could use it as a, as a wood mill or a, you know, metal. Um, but Five, three years ago, when we last talked, I probably would have told the guy no. <laughs> right? Like, you know, I, I just would have said, you know, thanks, but I don't know if I don't want to sit there and, and program something because the last time I had done any programming was in school in the early 2000s in engineering school when I used AutoCAD. And, you know, I took a class in AutoCAD and I just remember being like bored. And mm-hmm. not really enjoying it, um, right. but since then, I obviously I took the I like to make stuff fusion course, which is uh, fusion excellent. for makers, yeah. And it really because I got the three D printer and I was like, I don't want to just print like tchotchkes off Thingiverse. Like that's not very that's not what I got it for. Like yeah, that's fun. I made a whole bunch of track for my son uh, mm-hmm. for Hot Wheels and stuff. Like that's great. But then I was like, I don't really like how this one is. I want to modify it. Well, now I need to, you learn fusion because it's completely different. Anyways, I took that course and I realized like from that, that it has changed a lot since 2004 when I took the course, uh, 20, 20 years somehow changed how much more user-friendly, uh, 3d modeling has gotten. It really Um, did. It really did. That's, that's (laughs) That's a weird eh? point. Yeah. Uh, so, so now I don't think it's not as. It's nice that I can sometimes, like, if it's really cold out or I just don't feel like going out in the garage, but I want to do some making, I can do making in my house, setting up mm. my computer and just, you know, 3D model if I feel like that's the thing that I want to do that day. Sure. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I can't remember what your question was, but I hope that answered So, are you, is your interest peaked in other stuff now beyond, beyond 3D printing? Like, would you consider, I mean, you kind of said that you do technically have a cnc now but like the is this uh, is there more because i know you you're more you've always been in my eyes anyway you've always been more of the traditional like go down and like wood i'm a woodworker you know or even like i'm a i'm a dig my head into a motor for a couple hours and play with tinker with a car kind of guy i never took you as a digital fab guy and the more i see you using the 3d printer i'm like yes we got our claws (laughs) in him (laughs) yeah it's i've always had this uh throughout my life i've always had this like push and pull between the two things Mm -hmm. so in high school uh, i took all the woodworking auto mechanics shops but i also took all the computer programming 
right? And like half the people I knew when they found out I was going to school for computer engineering were like, oh, I thought you were going to become like a mechanic or something. I thought you were going to work with your hands. And the other half were like, yeah, that makes sense, right? Like, so it was like a toss up between how you knew me on right. what it was. So I think that's what I like about all this stuff is because they, they allow you to do things that you couldn't do otherwise. Oftentimes, like, I don't know. I was listening to Making Problems to Solve and the, the latest guest, I can't recall his name, uh, was talking about this and how he was so anti-CNC. Like he was a like woodworker. Woodworking is, is woodworking and anti-CNC. And then he realized CNC just like it's not it doesn't take away. It adds to it. It's another I think tool. The, I think the big problem is it's it's just another tool. And I think the problem comes about is that it's when people see it as, you know, you're, you're batching out products and they're not good quality. And I think that's right. the problem is people see this as like the quality is going to go down, but the quality is not going to go down. The quality is of the person making, not, not the tool that's making it. Right. Right. And you were talking the other day, it was you, the wedding signs that flopped over. Right. Yes. Yes. It, yeah. That is the quality of the person making it, not the quality right. of the, you know, uh, the, the tool that made it. Right. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not using anything. I'm using a laser just like she was. I'm using acrylic just like she was. I'm just more meticulous about my standards when I ship them to a customer. Exactly. Like that, that's yeah. See, that's a lot of, and the reason people think that, you know, mass produced equals crap is because that's kind of what they've gotten in the habit even and i'll give you an even more granular example right like people what you said is 100 percent true people think you know cnc mass produced equals crap quality goes down because it's being mass produced right people think the same thing about ikea what they don't realize is that when you go to ikea ikea actually has different tiers of products as well i know this is the funny part about ikea like yes ikea does have complete and total garbage that will fall apart in a year they 100% do. Yep. There's no arguing that. But I also have Ikea stuff. My dresser is Ikea. My TV stand is Ikea. You couldn't break this if you wanted to. Like, it's moved three times. It's right. still in one piece. My dresser has moved twice, is still in one piece. You know, right. these are, they do make quality things as well but people don't know that because the overwhelming the overarching connotation is that ikea is put it together and it's garbage and you throw it away right. when you're done with it even though some of the stuff there's like oh no that's really not like the bed i have i bought it from ikea when i got this apartment that bed that's going to be a mother to get rid of because it's it is made well <laughs> like it is made really well it just that's the thing, right? People don't understand that, yes, there are variations of quality within a product line, within the same company. There's Harbor right. Freight's a very good example. Of course. Like they Recently, recently, they've been really, really pushing new models in their same product line. So the Bauer tools that were all just like, who the hell wants Bauer? But now the Bauer tools are actually, people are even saying, like, these are really good now. Like, I watched... Um, on YouTube, I watch Torque Test channel because I just find it fun to watch tools get beat up. Okay. And you know they'll put the Bauer, they'll put the Bauer impact drivers on a dyno, and they're hanging with high end tools. And it's like, you know, if you're a weekend warrior, you don't need Matco or Hilti. You can get an impact driver from Harbor Freight and just 
be your weekend warrior guy and just use that stuff, you know? Totally. So we have on the race team, we have a snap on uh, Mm -hmm. impact driver and we have Milwaukee Mm -hmm. and we have a DeWalt and I also have a Mastercraft. And guess what? Every single one of them takes off the wheels the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The only, and the snap on one couldn't do the crank bolt, but the Milwaukee could. And the Dwalt couldn't either, but that's interesting. No. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's you know, and the Snap-on's crazy expensive. Sure, it, like it was stupidly expensive, and it's we we basically gotten away from Snap-on because the Milwaukee stuff was doing better, and they're smaller, and it's just like smaller, <laughs> cheaper, and more available too. Like, let's be well, honest, <laughs> and the and the tool range was better for having so at the track. There, are, you, you don't want to have 15 different batteries. In the shop, I think it's silly that when people are like, I've committed to a battery system, and now I have 300 batteries. I'm like, yeah, you have 300 batteries. But at the track, I don't want 300 batteries. I right. want two, right? right, right I have right. limited supplies. I have a small toolbox that I have to roll around with me. I don't want to carry around 300 <laughs> different batteries. Of course. Right? But so I guess what I'm trying to say is, is uh, you know, the, the tool lines that are available it just it makes more sense. There's a drill, there's a driver, there's a sure. an impact, there's a, a reciprocating saw, all that, and I only need to bring in two batteries. I was really, I was, it was very funny because when I first started woodworking, my first two tools, my first two tools, were a Dewalt, my Dewalt drill, and my Dewalt impact driver. Those were my first right. two. So now, of course, I've already started out in the Dewalt ecosystem. It's funny you say this because exactly was my thought process. So I have these two tools, and I'm like. I wanted a I, the next thing I wanted. I had the rigid the 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 cordless trim router, the corded trim router that every single one of us has. We all have this router. Every single shop woodworking shop across the maker sphere has this router. And I have this router. I'm like, but I really because my shop was kind of was a basement, right? So the only mm-hmm. power outlets were up against the walls. I'm like, man, it would be really really nice to have a cordless router because right. I use the router all the time. It would be nice. And I looked, I'm like, well, Rigid didn't have one at the time. DeWalt's was 300 and something dollars. I'm like, yeah, I'm not buying that. Ryobi had one for 80 bucks. Right. But I then had to buy a Ryobi battery and charger. And I'm sitting there going, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to do this. And I had to really talk myself into having two battery systems because I thought I was like, no, stick to one. Otherwise, you're wasting your money. What difference is it? And I had the same conversation you had just now. It was like, no, in my shop, who cares? Just put them all, put two chargers on the wall instead of one and put all the batteries there. Now I actually have, I have multiple battery systems. Who cares? I want the tool. I don't care who makes it. If you have a battery, fine. Then I at least know that that battery goes to that tool. (laughs) All right. I got to be more meticulous about keeping it on the charger. That's all. Right. And as soon as you have two batteries for something, then you're good to go. Right? Yes. Yes. Like I recently got the Greenworks uh, snowblower and Oof, I got the 80 yeah. volt version. I had got the 40 volt version first, but and I'll say it here and they're probably not going to listen. I don't get it. Don't get the 40 volt version. No. It's too no. small. It's not good. Like if maybe if you live in like 
Virginia and it snows twice a year, you're good to go. I but, couldn't even get by with a 40 volt lawnmower, let alone no. a 40 volt snowblower. Like that, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> oh, I've got the 40 volt. That's why I got it. Cause I had the four. This is the thing. They convinced me to go with the 40 volt. Cause I've got the 40 volt lawnmower, the full 40 volt chainsaw, the 40 volt head trimmer, the 40 volt, uh, you know, okay. I got all the 40 volt stuff. So I said, well, go with the 40 volt. And I was like, sure. It's free. Um, Great, I'll go with the 40 volt. It sucked. They sent me the 80 volt, and I'm like, I don't really care. It's going to be sitting there. It's going to be a battery that gets used with that thing only. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good to go. It was Fun. so much better. <laughs> Get the one that makes sense for the job you're doing. Don't worry about I, the I think that's. I think that's the overarching point of this entire conversation that we've had is get the tool that fits your need. Right. Like for me, I've outgrown the Glowforge, not because of the software, not because of the web connectivity, all the stuff that everyone thinks you're going to outgrow. It just isn't big enough. Like that's where I'm hitting the wall now. It's not in the software. I've never had an Internet issue with it. Like I know people like, oh, the Wi-Fi goes down. It stops working. Oh, my God. Listen, I've had the damn thing. December 24th, it's four years old. Okay. If I was going to have a problem with this thing, it's the most used piece of digital fabrication equipment that I have. It gets used on almost every project. Right. If I was going to have a problem with it, I would have had that problem with it already, right? Where I'm bumping into it is the size. I need to make bigger things than this is capable of making. So, okay, now I know. The next one will not be this size. It's going to be a bigger laser. But right. yes, Do you have the, you are, the pro or the regular? I have the regular, I have the 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 plus, I have the mid tier one. Okay. Um, the pro wouldn't work for me anyway because the pass through slot is only three millimeter, so you can't you can't fit like a two by four through it. So it's kind of pointless for me. But Hmm. yeah, that would be. I I mean, that would be a perfect solution if the pass through slot was higher. I would absolutely get the Glowforge Pro, and that would be my next laser. Hmm. But yeah, all I know is I've seen people who modify their stuff. Like, yeah. so that you don't have to worry about. I'm not modifying it in its fourth year because the laser tube only lasts about five, but you are 100% correct. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. You know what? For you, you're not a modifier. You're not the guy who's going to take it and you're cut right. it apart. But like Dean Duplantis, yeah, that's the type of thing he would do. He's got the Glowforge. I've seen he's done modifications to it. He's sure. cut out the bottom of it, right? Yep. He's done stuff that that I know you're not. That's not you. You would it's go, no, I'm good. I'm not, I don't want that. I want the tool to do the work. I don't want to do the work on the tool. And I think yeah. everyone has their own thing. I, I respect, I honestly, I have a lot of respect for tinkerers that do stuff like that. I really do. And I, you know, I, we were talking about 3D printers earlier. I have a lot of respect for people who sit there and they fine tune their benchy to the point where you can't see layer lines anymore and everything's perfect. And it's like, yeah, I did this on a $200 printer. And I'm like, good for you, bro. Like right. I, I, I'm really, I'm not going to lie. That impresses me. I'm not even just being facetious or placating <laughs> people. It really does impress me when people are able to get great results out of cheap equipment. Always has. I think it's a miracle when somebody can do fine woodworking with a Ryobi table saw. Like, I think it's just, right. I think it's pure magic to me and I'm impressed and I'm happy for you. That's not me. <laughs> I, I don't live yeah. that life i i need as close to a black box of productivity as i can get <laughs> totally it's it's all about what you why you're going out there and sure. what your goal is and if sure. your goal is to make money you yes. need good tools if your yes. goal is to have fun and tinker and and do whatever like because that's what mine is that's what i right. just want to go out there like that's why i keep buying different tools like i just got a forge I just, I don't know. I'm not going to make a, I'm not going to become a blacksmith. 
but it's but yeah. fun to heat some metal up sometimes. And sometimes you just need that. Like, Oh, if I had a forge, I could just make this little hook at the end of this thing. Right. Like, but I know I'm not going to become a blacksmith. I'm not going to become a woodworker. I'm not going to sure. become a, a machinist because I have some machinist tools. Like I, as soon as you get a tool, you go, if I had five of more tools, right, then I could do this thing I want to do. And you know, as soon as you get those other five tools, you'll find five more you need. Of course. Right? I just, you know, it's funny. It's wow. Our con- this conversation is super timely because I, I, I haven't told anyone this, but I just sold all my rug tufting stuff. Most of oh, it's yeah. never been used. I, I bought it. the stuff. I bought the stuff in 20, 2020. I bought it or 2021 might've been 2021. Either way. I bought it a long time ago. It's all yep. still in the box. And my friends, she goes, which stuff did you buy? Cause I want to get into rug tufting. I said, I'm going to make you a deal. You're going to love this. <laughs> I said, yeah. How about I sell you everything that I have at what I paid for it. I'm not even asking for a dime more. I just want to make back my money on it. I have the gun. I have the stand. I have extra monk's cloth. I have the sheep shearer. I have the projector. I will sell you all of it just for what I paid for it. You just take it off my hands. And she goes, when I get home after the holidays, I will take it all from you. It's like, okay, perfect. And what did I have to do? I had to have the conversation with myself. The one you just said, I had to have that conversation with myself. I was like, I'm never going to do this. Like when I got the stuff, I was fully committed to doing it. And I was, I was very much into the idea of making rugs and doing that. The more I think about it, the more it's like, that's just not a thing I have time for. And you know what I would think for rug tufting or some of these things, what would, instead of going out and I, I have this problem too, I just keep buying stuff is go take a class. A well, rug I, tufting class would be amazing. And at the end you have a rug and you go, I loved it. And now like, that's all I can think about. Then you go and buy it. If you don't love it, like you took a blacksmithing class, you didn't like it. Right. Right. Great. I took, I did some blacksmithing. I enjoyed it. That's why mm-hmm. I bought a, you know, got the forge, mm-hmm. got the anvil. Everything's going to get going. Sure. That's the, I think that makes a lot more sense than going out and buying this, I, these things. I loved it enough when I, I got to try Keith's at Jimmy's right. at, um, for the second ever Jimmy Speedway event. So mm-hmm. Keith brought all his stuff. Keith Decent brought all his stuff. And I got to try it, and I thought it was super fun. And I was like, okay, I'm in. I want to do this more. I had every intention of doing it more. Like, I really did. And realistically, what ends up happening is, you know, all your intentions for all the things you want to do and all the things you want to learn and all the stuff you want to get better at, they do have to sometimes take a backseat to things like life and family mm-hmm. And, you know, drama and, you know, life drama happens, you know, you never know, you never know when you may get cancer or go through a divorce, you don't know, right? Like all these things, they don't just, they're not always there, but they do sometimes just happen, right? You know, I, for me, it was just, there was just too much going on. And it's like, even, even as I was moving the stuff here to this apartment, I have it in a closet and I'm looking at it one day and I'm going, you're never going to do this. Like, I'm literally sitting there going, why are you keeping this stuff? And now it's gotten to a point where I'm like, I want to go through everything in my apartment and go, do you really need this? If the answer is no, then get rid of it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm finally in the mindset of get rid of shit instead of keeping it for the day where it's going to be useful or interesting to me. That's why you have a Knight Rider uh, plastic model kit. That is, a, I will never part with that, by the way. But, never. Well, no, because I... I had it and I have right. uh, probably 40, 50 plastic models that are brand new, 
mm-hmm. they've ever been done is opened and looked at, right? Because like I had like a little, I worked at a hobby shop. I enjoyed making plastic models. I've made a few, you know, I made a couple dozen of them. Sure. But I enjoyed buying them and looking at them and seeing how they were all going to be put together and reading the instructions. But the time it takes to build one, it it's takes enormous. time. It's enormous. And it takes like, you got to have something set up for a while if you want to do it, you know, slightly efficiently or you're yeah. constantly putting it away. And then you're, as soon as you put something away, you've put it, it away. It's, it's a barrier to getting it. You, it has like, it's a, you need twice as much energy to get to going on it again. Yes. I agree with that. I agree with that. That's a, that's why, that's why I haven't started the model yet because I know I don't have a clear string of days or whatever. Cause I know it would take me about a week realistically yeah. to paint it and put it all together. Right. right. I, I kind of know, cause I've done them before too. I love doing them. I was, when you sent that to me, I was so happy. I was looking at it, like, it's such a, I opened it by the way. I don't know if you know this, but I opened it the week before Thanksgiving. Um, I opened it cause I was showing it to, I was showing it to somebody oh, yeah. and I, I was looking at the parts in it and I was like, this is a really nice model. Like it's a, it's a really detailed model. I'm like, this, that's really cool that it's detailed. And then I'm thinking about it going, that just means I got to spend a lot of time on it because <laughs> it's like everything is so detailed. And of course, you know, you know me with Knight Rider. I think everyone that listens knows me with Knight Rider. Right. I'm not going to half-ass a Knight Rider anything. Like it's got to get, it's got to get the full Monty. Like I have to put my heart and soul into it and really, so it's like that alone, that's another barrier, right? Because I don't want to do it if I can't throw myself into it and just get fully involved in it. So so I have a 1985 Pontiac Fiero GT. And Ooh. I have, like, it's pretty hard to see on the camera, but I have Do you have put the brake a... shoes painted? Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's hard to see because uh... Zencaster goes 8-bit mode when you're recording. Oh, wow. Oh. Looks so, so good. I did a V8 swap. So if anyone knows Pontiac Heroes, they came with a six-cylinder uh, uh-huh. motor or a four-cylinder. The one that I owned as a kid when I was 16 had a four-cylinder, and I always thought of doing a V8 swap. So I did a V8 swap. I've got, like, seatbelts in the, like, racing seats with actual seatbelts. So cool. Yeah. So I've done, like, above and beyond on this. Uh, and, yeah, for custom steering wheel, because I had a custom steering wheel on my uh, Fiero. Like, I did everything above and beyond. And mm-hmm. uh, when I think about that and I think about, you know, like this is one of the last models I ever made because I, I get into like, I have to one up myself and one up myself and one up myself and make it yeah. better and make it better. Yeah. And now I've got a 3d printer and I know like, I, you know, a lot of these little things that I made, I could have just printed out on a 3d printer more likely if I had a uh, resin one, they, they'd be better, but it's the fun parts of, you know, Getting to do something like this is fun, but uh, it takes time. Yeah. And in the end, I have this. And what do I do with this? And I have so many more things in my life. <laughs> like this is like if I made a rug, okay, I'd have a rug at the end. Great. I already have rugs. Right. I don't need another rug. I Sure, would I love a rug that like had my logo? Yeah, that would be really cool. But I don't have the like time to do that. So I don't know sure. where. I, all that to say is, it's your priorities that you need to figure out. And I think yeah. something like uh, building a model is a great thing because there is nothing at the end of it. Hmm. At the end of it, you have 
you have a display piece, but you, so you have no, there's no reason to do it other than enjoyment. And I think a lot of people don't realize that's what a hobby is supposed to be. And a mm-hmm. lot of people take their hobbies and turn them into businesses, which is great. And then they're no longer, uh, they're no longer a hobby. They're, they're a hobby mm-hmm. business, which is great. And if you're having fun, that's great, but they can easily go down that little rabbit hole into all of a sudden it's not fun anymore. Damn. I think that's, I think that's a, I think, was it you? I think it was you actually that said that people are always in a rush to try to figure out how to make money off doing something they love. They can't just, they're not content to just leave something as a hobby, even though that might be the better place for it to live as, as a hobby. Damn dude. If if I didn't say that, I'll, I'll take credit for it. You can take credit for it. I'm pretty (laughs) sure. I'm almost positive. It was you. I don't remember where you said it, but I'm almost positive. It was you that said it. Cause it, I remember hearing of, I remember where I heard it. Cause I can, I have really good memory for that. Like locational memory. Like I'll remember hearing something on a podcast. And I know I heard that in the car. I know I was driving to the grocery store and I know what right. street I was on when I heard it. I just can't remember who said it, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was you. So we're going right. to go with you. So Grant, you are a damn genius, my friend. <laughs> I guess I'm just dropping more truth bombs. You Grant is just the king of truth bombs. And everyone that knows Everyone knows where that reference comes from. And if you don't, you're listening to the wrong podcasts in your life. Um, why don't you, uh, why don't we shift gears a little bit and do some uh, things of the week? So uh, right. Grant, my friend, what would be your thing of the week? I think this is your third appearance on this show, actually. Uh, I think it's only second. Maybe is it's it? third. No, you co- you guest co-hosted once too. You were my, you were a guest co-host once. So you were on with Ethan. And then yeah. you were my you were my stand-in co-host on an episode. I'm almost positive you were a stand-in co-host at least once. So I thought that was Keith, but maybe I did. No, Keith did too. But I I, I had a lot of stand-in co-hosts over the years. If <laughs> wink, wink. You know what? Yeah, I did. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, now that you think about it, and I think uh, there's been a lot of podcasts. So, anyways, wait. So now, been... wait. So I've been a guest twice on yours. You've been a guest twice on mine. So yep. we have to break the tie now. Anyway, what's your thing of the week? <laughs> uh, so my thing of the week, I'm going to recommend everyone check out uh, Andrew Zito. He's building this uh, whimsical cabin. Uh, it's going to be a sauna. So he's got the whole sauna on the inside. But I really like the shape of it and some of the fun things he's doing. Like he made uh, one of the siding. Uh, he did the entire siding and skateboard ends. It's a little like flip up part on the skateboard. Uh, and I really love how it turned out. And it looks uh, amazing. So everyone should go check it out. Uh, Andrew's just a really good dude who puts out uh, great videos. His videos are so beautifully made. Like they really yeah. are. Like it's not just the, the content. He's really good at shooting videos. Like artistically, he's just a really talented dude. Yeah. Well, that's his like actual full-time job is, is video creation um, or at least it was. So. Gotcha. I know very, I'm not going to even pretend I'm not going to be like some hipster. Like, Oh yeah, I know all about, I know very little about Andrew, but I will say that I did have the privilege of meeting him at maker camp this year. And it was very cool. Like as we were looking at the Jackalope and me, him and Morley were just, and Griff, um, Jacob Griffin from Griffin Mm -hmm. makes, we were all just kind of just hanging out and just chatting and stuff like he's a really cool guy. So yeah, that's a good one. I'll have a link to I'll have a link to the playlist for this particular project. We should definitely check out the whole channel. Andrew Zito, S Z E T O. That's a good one. That's a very yeah. good one, especially for if you, if nothing else, it's a course in how to make YouTube videos. Because the guy is super talented. 
So Right. Well, even just framing. Like, so he's got an Airstream on his property, and he constantly has it in the background. I'm like, <laughs> I have this beautiful, like, bowler that I redid, and it's never in my it's never in the background <laughs> of my videos i'm like oh i should be like i should just be like thinking about that stuff way more um promote 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 yeah um yeah it's a good one that's a very good one um my thing of the week is a movie and i my thing of the week is never a movie i don't think i've made a movie my thing of the week ever since doing starting to do thing of the week on mm-hmm. this podcast so in Three years of this podcast, I've never picked a movie, but last night watched a movie that was just so damn good. Um, it was on. So going through the watch list, going through the watch list, my date last night was like, oh, there's a movie I want to see. And I'm like, well, it's already in my watch list. So I guess it's a movie I want to see. So we watched it and I put it on and it's called The Black Phone. It's Ethan Hawke is in it. It is an absolutely fan freaking tastic movie. Like I would rate it a nine out of ten. That's how much I loved it. It's just there's nothing about that movie I didn't love. It starts out with the very, very first scene of the movie. Like it's baseball, it's a baseball game happening. And then the next bit of the movie is the kid who is at bat gets kidnapped. Mm. Like it happens like right off the bat. And then the movie just develops from there and you never really under, it takes a while to understand what's actually going on, but the movie just gets more wild and crazy. And by the end of it, you're just like, holy crap, this is incredible. Like, it's just this crazy, I don't want to, I keep using generic terms because I don't want to give away because there's so many things that when they hit you, it's like, oh, that's what's happening. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's so many OMG moments in this movie, but it's so good. It's on Amazon Prime right now and it is 100% free to watch, which means you don't have to pay a single dime and you can be entertained for an hour and 45 minutes, but truly a great movie. It's The Black Phone, Ethan Hawke, Amazon Prime, Go watch it. I promise you, you're not going to not like it. It was four thumbs up in this apartment last night. So <laughs> it, uh, and for anyone wondering, it's only going to be on Amazon prime for 10 months. Then it's going to go on Peacock for four months and then it's going to be gone. Wow. This is something new. They're started on uh, movies. Cause there's so much content out there yeah. that they're not putting it anywhere. Wow. So they're wow. giving these like, it's it's uh you know limited uh availability to try and make it hype hype it up and actually get the views when they're happening it's worth it i you know what normally yeah. i wouldn't fall in for that kind of thing but i've i heard i heard people talking about this movie for a little while and i was like ah I'll just put it in the watch list i'll get to it eventually and then when she saw it last night she's like oh i want i want yeah there's one we could watch and i'm like Oh, you want to see it? Too? All right, cool. So since we both want to see it, like that's a perfect makes makes the discussion of what are we going to watch so much easier. <laughs> so excellent movie, and see it before it's gone. You only have um, probably about eight months at this point. <laughs> no, it just went on Amazon Prime three days ago. Oh, it's only on there three. Oh, perfect. Yeah, perfect. You're, this is perfect timing. Wow. Just there. Okay. It's going to be now as we record this. It is December thirtieth. So all right. This is going to go out. Hold on. I just have to look. This goes out January 4th. So it's a little bit older than that, but you still have plenty of time. Go watch the movie. Just go watch the movie. You know what else you should do? You should support this podcast financially. 
We have a bunch of those people, and those people are Matthew Serio of Artigiano Serio, Big Al Schultz of New York Woodworks, Tori Decker of Tori Did It, Ed Swanson of Ed's Clocks and More, Jake Drews of Make with Jake, Megan Chris from Onyx Designs Woodwork, Christian Neary of Warren Works, Jeff Stein, a.k.a. A Weird Guy, Kim and Garrett of Kim and Garrett Make It, Rory Langefeld of RLL Woodworks and DIY, Robert Jake Heller, Rebecca Cole of Bexie Designs, Brian Arsenault, The Seven Hills Maker, Lars Coleman of Colorado Multicraft, Dave Bauer of Dave Bauer Art, Jeremy Spies, Mike from Pixels to Prototype, Donald LeBlanc of Fun with Woodworking, and the one and only Grant Alexander from the Clamp Podcast. See, this is how you get on the show. I always joke about it, but this is how you get on the show. Support this show, and I'll get you to be a guest. But seriously, I appreciate the financial support from everybody that does it. If you can't support the show financially, I completely understand. Times are tough. Inflation is high. But you know what's free? Sharing the show and leaving a review. And both of those things help almost as much as the financial support. And I appreciate it all just as much. So thank you for helping me make this a successful comeback. I mean, I know that you're listening to this in the new year. We're recording this on the second to last day of 2022. But it has been a wild 2022 for me. And it's also been kind of a miracle to bring this podcast back from the dead. And I couldn't do it without the financial support of the fine people I just mentioned. And I really, really appreciate all of it. Grant, my friend. Yes. It has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, you too. <laughs> um, it's I, I always like I always like. I was like episodes where I have a friend on because it's like, you just talk about anything. Like I just completely throw any structure aim goal, any of that just kind of out the window <laughs> because I like to just, when I have friends on, it's like, nah, this is a friend conversation. You want, you want more structure. Wait till I have guests that I don't know as well. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really enjoy the, the, I enjoy both those types of episodes, but I, I feel like your personality comes out a lot more when you're listening to the friend episodes. Sure. And if, sure. if obviously, cause the other ones feel a little bit more formal like, well, you're, more and formal. you're pulling, you're pulling instead of yeah pushing and pulling. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, that's, it's just, well, I mean, you and I have been friends for like three years at this point, two years, three yeah. years. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you get to know someone in all that time and, uh, I'm really happy. I know we didn't talk about it that much, but I'm really happy seeing the growth of Clamp. Um, oh, thank you. I'm yes. very happy to see things still rolling along, even though it's just you and Adam um, for now. And yeah. I'm really happy that, you know, Morley, Mor- Morley moving on didn't put an end to the podcast. I'm very glad that you guys kept it going. And I'm glad that yeah. there's no intent to let it go anytime soon. So I'm very happy to see that. Yeah, I, I'm happy to see it too. I'm excited for 2023. And there, there will be a third host mm-hmm. uh, coming on in 2023. Uh, so anyone who wants uh, to listen to that, I, it'll be fun. Uh, you can catch up on all the old episodes. Uh, we're currently on a holiday break, but when this releases, we might have our first one of 2023 uh, recorded by then. And uh, hopefully with a new co-host. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And just for those of you watching, for those of you watching the video version of this show, which as I said earlier, you should be because it makes a much more interesting visual podcast than it does an audio (laughs) podcast. Um, Over Grant's shoulder, over the above the interstate batteries sign is his, I believe you were second place in the Enlighten Us Challenge with that. I think you won second place with that. And I think the the chomp light might have won first. I don't know. I think it was... Bernie won or first. Bernie. Yes. 
Bernie won first. I think you won. You, I can't remember which. Or I know Jeff is going to know because he will. He... I think the, you instead of going first, second, and third, I think you did different categories. Fair enough. I don't even remember. But anyway, on his wall, if you want to see what it actually looks like, is Grant's. Um, it won something. <laughs> with, most with most creative, challenge. I believe. If you go back and look, <laughs> listen to the episode, I think it was most creative. And I think I, you know, it's sad. I think I'm, I might have to look. I think I accidentally deleted the video from my YouTube channel, but maybe I'll have to oh, go no. find that. Maybe I'll cut the clip in of it being unveiled. But um, yeah, Grant took yeah. a bumper for a front end of a BMW and made it into a lamp. It's <laughs> like the most blasphemous thing you could do to a BMW fan, but it's wonderful. So. Well, I'm the BMW fan, so true. Fair I'd enough. See. Fair enough. You are a BMW fan. We'll we'll go there. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, where can people where can people find you if they want to keep up with you and see what you're up to and what you're doing? Well, uh, the the best place to find me if you want to have a conversation is Instagram. If you want to uh, watch some long form videos, you can head over to uh, YouTube. Um, I'm also on the Tiki Talkies and Facebook Reels and all those other fun places. So you can, depending on what you listen to, you can find me there just by searching for The Grant Alexander. And if you find one with an orange logo, that'll be me. Um, and you can also find me on the aforementioned Clamp podcast just by searching for Clamp. And uh, you find that on your favorite podcatcher. Sweet. Sweet. And you should definitely go listen to them. I mean, you you guys started that podcast about a month after because we make started if i if my calculations were correct i think i think we started it on the in 2020 right after covid like so i remember really? trying to Wait, order you started uh, it in 2020 yeah i remember oh, wow, trying so like to a year after us then yeah but our numbers aligned because you guys you took a couple of hiatuses mm, fair we, enough. We, yeah. we this is the first time we've missed more than a week <laughs> in the entire two plus you know well, I don't even I don't even number them. I don't even number them anymore. You know, it's funny. Apple actually tells you in the podcast guidelines do not put episode numbers in your titles, and they will they will I think they downrank you in search results for doing it. And I Why? I might be I might be seeing a bit of a boost in search result people finding me by taking the episode numbers out. They do tell you that, like in the podcast guidebook that you get when you sign up for Apple Podcasts, hmm. they tell you don't put episode numbers in your titles. Who knew? Weird. Yeah, I it's, wonder it's, why. Because they want control over everything. It's really funny because it's get, it's going to get to a point soon where most of my traffic is on Spotify and YouTube anyway, and I just won't care anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> what we've actually done on Clamp is we moved the episode number to the end, mm-hmm. so that way the title is there, and then it, it still has the episode number. Which sure, I don't know. Yep. Anyway, that's not a bad. That's enough bad inside idea. baseball. Let's yeah. Let's, let's wrap this baby up. Thank you for listening. Have a happy well. Actually, as you're hearing this, it's already the new year. So I hope you have a happy new year. We haven't celebrated it yet, but this is like a weird time traveling thing. So I hope you enjoy yours. And I will be back again next week. We have guests lined up for the next couple of weeks. So don't worry, this podcast is not going anywhere. And I hope you don't either. I will chat with you then.